والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وكونوا مع الصادقين وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم المرء على دين خليله فلينظر احدكم من يخالل او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم O oh, suspected mothers and sisters, <coughs> first and foremost we should refresh our intention, why we have gathered, what is the object of this time that we have spared, we have perhaps put aside many important things that we could have been doing and we spared this time to be present, may Allah Ta'ala accept our coming, may Allah Ta'ala make it a means of every khair and benefit but we should be refreshing our intention that this is what we have come for, for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala to learn something that will inshallah help us to improve in deen and get closer to Allah Ta'ala and to also pass on what we may learn to others so that we may help others also to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. This is the primary objective of a mu'min to all the time be concerned about how to get closer to Allah Ta'ala and taking practical steps in that direction. In any case, the topic of discussion today is Ummul Mu'mineen Hazrat Sayyida Safiya radiallahu ta'ala anha. So in order to come to this discussion, just as an introduction, women are in particular very, very fond of something with some diamonds on it, if there isn't anything that they own which has some diamond, then that's like a very, very great deprivation. So everybody knows about diamonds, they know the value of diamonds, they treasure it, they look forward to it. If somebody did not receive one, they feel very deprived. The issue is what was this diamond, where it came from. The reality is that this diamond is simply like in charcoal, you have what is known as carbon. In a bag of charcoal, there is carbon. That carbon in the charcoal is not given any kind of importance as such. It's just burnt up. But there is carbon in it. This diamond also is nothing but carbon. But this carbon, because it was very, very deep down, close to the core of the earth, or in some other place where there was tremendous pressure, and whatever other surrounding circumstances they were this eventually turned this carbon into diamond and this which was perhaps not worth much now suddenly became worth very very much now this is just as an introduction what we understand from this is that sometimes something can be at some stage valueless and later because of whatever might have brought some change in it, it can become very, very valuable. The same applies with human beings. There were many human beings who were on an extremely negative side of life. For example, if we take in the time of Rasulullah Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab he was that person who had the courage to pick up a sword and to walk in the direction of the house of Rasulullah 
with only one intention and the intention was to assassinate Rasulullah This was his situation. But a short while later, the whole situation changed. And in time, he became Umar ibn Khattab anhu, Amirul Mu'mineen. He became that personality regarding whom Rasulullah said that Lokana Badi Nabiyan Lakana Umar. Had they been a Nabi after me, it would have been none but Umar. Then you get, for example, Hazrat Khalid bin Walid in the Battle of Uhud, the Sahaba suffered a very high number of casualties. Seventy Sahaba were martyred. Can you imagine what a situation that might have been? To a large extent, it was Hazrat Khalid bin Walid who at that time was on the side of the Quraysh. He was responsible for this. But eventually what he became, he became Saifullah. He became the sword of Allah Ta'ala. And he gained a very high position in Islam. Hazrat Ikrima radiallahu anhu, one of the very senior Sahaba. But who was he? He was the son of Abu Jahl, the worst kafir and disbeliever. And Nabi Islam said that this person was even worse than the Fir'aun that passed. His pride was even worse than that pride of the pride of Fir'aun. But what we understand from his son Ikrima radiallahu anhu, despite coming from such a father, he became one of the senior Sahaba. What we learn from all these things are that if a person in some stage of his life, whatever his condition may be, there is no such thing that the person is now a write-off. Nobody else is a write-off. And at the same time, Allah forbid, if somebody is involved themselves in some kind of situation, then even personally nobody is a write-off. The door of Allah Ta'ala, the door of mercy of Allah Ta'ala is open. Others may enter, we don't know when. We can't ever make any judgment that somebody is a write-off. Yes, what he's doing wrong is wrong. We can't condone the wrong. But we can't write him off. We don't know when he might make such a dramatic turnabout and he would surpass perhaps maybe everybody else in his time. And these things have happened. And likewise, it is never a situation that a person should become despondent about himself or herself either, that I am a write-off. There is no way I can ever come out of the perhaps wrongs that I got caught up in. So I should just forget about it now. No. We should never forget about it. We should keep trying, keep taking the advice from the right people, keep making an effort. And who knows when that moment would come to bring about a dramatic turnaround and Allah Ta'ala would embrace us in His Rahmat and take us to the heights that we could not imagine. This as an introduction brings us to the personality of Ummul Mu'mineen, Hazrat Sayyidah Safiya radiallahu ta'ala anha. She was the daughter of Huyay bin Akhtab. Who was Huyay bin Akhtab? He was one of the chiefs of the Jews. So she was from a Jewish family. Coming from a father, the father Huyay bin Akhtab, he was a chief among the Jews. Not just any chief. He was somebody who, na'uz billah, summa na'uz billah, he hated Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa with a passion. Can we imagine? She is his daughter. And where Allah Ta'ala took her to, what position and what status, that she became Ummul Mu'mineen. She became the mother of the believers. Now this is the start of this personality and this is where Allah Ta'ala took her to. So if she who came from a Jewish family, 
from a father who hated Rasulullah who hated Islam, who hated the Muslims and Allah Ta'ala brought her to this pedestal, to this great position and honor, then we too should have total hope that if we are stuck somewhere in some kind of lifestyle, in some kind of ways and habits, in some kind of situations which are not the correct situation, not the best way, we should make an effort, we should turn to Allah Ta'ala and inshallah Allah Ta'ala will open the doors for us as well. What we will be discussing, obviously the time that we have to discuss her Mubarak life is very limited. She was a person who had tremendous aspects that we could discuss in her life. But the purpose here is to take some practical lessons. The purpose is not just a, just a lesson in history, just a lesson with some facts and figures which somebody who has some interest in history will find very, very interesting and the rest of us would just, well, hear something and go along. No, this is meant to take some kind of practical lessons and therefore we will be selecting some aspects from her Mubarak life, some incidents that took place in her life and we will be drawing some lessons therefrom and these are the things that we should be then holding fast to, trying to imbibe within ourselves and making an intention and an effort to practice upon them, to pass them on to others as well. As far as Safiya is concerned, as we mentioned that she was from a Jewish background, she was from the progeny of Hazrat Harun So way up, she was from the progeny of a Nabi of Allah and further above Hazrat Harun her ancestry led up to a person by the name of Lawi who was one of the sons of Hazrat Yaqub So again, further up in the ancestry also Anbiya Salam, Hazrat Yaqub then Hazrat Ishaq and on top of him Hazrat Ibrahim So indeed this was a very very high ancestry. And therefore once when somebody taunted her, after she accepted Islam, somebody taunted her in the sense that, that you're a Jewess. Nabi was upset at this and to console her. Nabi Islam said to her that what is somebody else trying to boast of over and above you? You are the daughter of a Nabi, referring to her great, great, great grandfather, Hazrat Harun Your uncle is a Nabi, referring to Hazrat Musa And you are in the marriage of a Nabi, referring to Rasulullah himself. So when these are all the things that you possess, all these virtues you possess, فَفِيمَ تَفْخَرُ alayk. So on what basis somebody else is boasting over you? Now there are again two lessons in here. One is that these kind of taunts, these things sometimes somebody blurts out something by mistake, whatever the case is, but it's wrong. These taunts should never happen. Especially somebody in the past life, some things are totally not in their control also. Like somebody was born in a Jewish family, what control do they have over that? And some things might have been in a person's control where the person erred somewhere, slipped up somewhere. Now life has moved on. The person made a turnaround in life, made toba from the past. Now to taunt the person about the past, even if it was something in the person's condition, uh, in his own choice, then too it's a terrible thing. It's something detested by Allah Ta'ala, something detested by Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And in one hadith sharif it is mentioned that a person who taunts somebody else over the wrong that they may be involved in, one is to advise somebody. 
to guide somebody, to try and explain to somebody. But that is to taunt somebody. Taunting somebody, this is terrible. It comes in the hadith, Allah Ta'ala will bring about the similar condition on the one that was taunting. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. The other lesson we learn from here is, when somebody taunted her, she obviously felt a bit hurt about this. Rasulullah what was his response to this? What he did was, he immediately said something comforting to her. Something to raise her spirits again. Something to make her feel good. This is something that is a sunnah of Rasulullah something we should learn from. We should always be doing that which will lift people's spirits, make people feel good, something that will comfort people, console somebody. Now can we imagine when this is the thing that we should be doing and this is what Rasulullah has taught us, how much far away we are from this sunnah when we take the opposite stance. For example, passing sarcastic comments against people, making kind of comments which will break somebody, break their spirit. Here Nabi is teaching us to lift the spirits of people, make them feel good, make them feel happy again. And if we take the opposite route, we are passing comments, we are making sarcastic remarks, we are having fun at somebody else's expense, we are poking fun at people. This is far away from the way of Islam, very far away from the sunnah of Rasulullah And this is something we should totally desist from. Nevertheless, coming to her childhood, as a child, she was very much loved by her father, by her father Huye bin Akhtab, the chief of the Jews. Likewise, her uncle Abu Yasir was his name. They loved her also very much. It was a common thing that when they would go out of the house and when they would return, she would run up to them to come and meet them. They would also be very, very happy to see her. They would meet very affectionately. Once it happened that both of them left and went. Where they had gone, this was just the time when Rasulullah had made hijrat. And before coming to Medina Munawwara, Nabi stayed for some days in Quba. This was with the tribe of Banu Amr bin Auf. So Nabi Islam stayed there for 10 days. Now Huye bin Akhtab was based with his family in Medina Munawwara. When he heard that Nabi Islam has arrived in Quba, so himself and his brother Abu Yasir, they both left early in the morning. They left very early. They reached there around Fajr time. So now when they got there, they spent almost the whole day there. And now they came after a very long day, they returned to Medina Munawwara in the evening. Safiya, who was that time just a child, now she's seeing her father and uncle returning from a very long day out. So in her normal manner, she ran up to them, to meet them, to welcome them. But it was as if they didn't even see her. They didn't even respond. They were looking like very depressed. They were looking very, very worried, depressed, down and out. In any case, Safiya herself is, re- is relating this incident later in life. She says, I then heard my uncle Abu Yasir saying to my father, or asking him rather, he is asking him, Ahua, Hua? Is he really the same person? Uh, he is referring to Rasulullah And what he is asking is, now they had gone there to just investigate what is going on. Because they heard that Nabi Salaam has now come. So they went to see personally first hand. So he's asking, Ahua Hua, is he really the same person? Is he really the last and final messenger as prophesied in our own scriptures? 
So Huyi bin Akhtab, who was the chief of the Jews, he is responding to the question of his brother. And what he says is, that Na'am wallah. He takes a qasam by Allah and he says, definitely he is. So now he already recognized all the signs that were mentioned in the scriptures of the Jews regarding the last and final messenger that will come. He recognized all these signs in Rasulullah and he was convinced 100% that Nabi is definitely the very person that had been prophesied about and he is certainly the messenger of Allah Taala. And Allah Ta'ala mentions this in the Quran Sharif, Ya'arifunahu kama ya'arifuna abna'ahum. That the Jews and the Christians, they recognize Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam through the signs, like they would recognize their own children. Nobody makes a mistake about their own child. So now in any case, he acknowledged this. He said, yes, definitely. Eventually, Abu Yasir asked him, so what, what is in your heart about it now? In other words, you are saying that definitely 100%, he is definitely the final messenger. So what do you feel now? Now this is the thing that we need to reflect upon that despite this acknowledgement with his own mouth, with his own tongue, he had just said Na'am Wallah. He took a qasam and said definitely he is the messenger of Allah. Yet what is his response? What is in his heart now? His response is that as long as I am living, I will be hating him. Na'uzubillah. That till my last breath I will hate him. Astaghfirullah. Can we imagine on the one side he is acknowledging, he is affirming that definitely he is the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. He is the last and final messenger. And on the other side he is on such a terrible note that he is saying that forget now till my last breath I will hate him. Na'uzubillah. What was the reason for this? The reason also Allah Ta'ala mentions in the Quran Sharif. Hasadam min indi anfusihim min ba'di ma tabayyana lahumul haqq that despite the truth becoming totally evident upon them, yet they rejected because of this hasad, because of this jealousy that they harbored within themselves. What jealousy? They expected the last and final messenger to come among the Bani Israel. It was already in the scriptures, they expected him to come among the Bani Israel. Suddenly they realized that no, he's already arrived and he's among the Arabs. But this hasad. Why did he not come among the Bani Israel? Number one. Number two, if we accept him, then all our, our leadership and we being the chiefs and all this will all go down the drain. We'll have to now become just his followers. Now this became the reason for the hasad and the jealousy. Can we imagine this is the lesson now we need to take from here that what a terrible malady disease this hasad is. That to what extent it can take a person. A person has recognized the truth, he has taken a qasam on the truth and he is still ready to deny the truth, reject it simply because of his hasad. This is what hasad does. It makes a person destroy one's dunya, destroy one's akhirat. A person will be ready to destroy himself just because he wants to now express that hasad upon somebody else. This is a terrible malady, it's something very, very serious. We should be making every effort to keep our hearts clean, completely clean from hasad. Hasad is actually an objection against Allah Ta'ala. Because a person becomes jealous over somebody else's ni'mad, thinking this, that why did it go to that person? He should have come to me rather. If he doesn't come to me, then he shouldn't gone to him. So that is an objection against Allah Ta'ala, that why, na'uzubillah, did Allah Ta'ala give it to so-and-so? 
Can we imagine what a terrible thing this is that it takes the objection against Allah Ta'ala. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says that Hasad, it burns up a person's good deeds just as fire burns up dry wood. That in other words, in minutes, the dry wood is all burnt up, nothing left. Likewise, Hasad totally destroys the person's good deeds. So this is something that we should be very conscious about and totally avoid any Hasad. Sometimes Shaitan whispers these things in our hearts. The ilaj and the remedy for that is that we should be, when, if we detect something of this nature, we should be cleaning that out of our hearts. And the simple way of cleaning it out of our hearts is to make dua for the person who we think we are feeling jealous over. Take their name and make dua for them. Ya Allah, you increase the ni'mats and bounties on that person. Improve his life. Give him better. Make his children better. Whatever we feel specifically, so to say, grieved about, we make dua regarding that particular aspect, that Allah Ta'ala increase it even more. Praise the person in his or her absence. Always be the first to initiate salam with the person. Sometimes give some hadiya to the person. These things will inshallah clean the heart and save us from this very, very serious malady. Nevertheless, coming back to the life of Hazrat Safiya radiallahu ta'ala anha, she was, before Islam, she was married, and one of the people, her husband, first she was married to one person, then he passed away, then she was married to another, Kinana. And before Islam, while she was still married to this person, Kinana, she had seen a dream. And in the dream, she saw the sun and moon come in her lap. She mentioned this to her husband, Kinana, and he, when he heard this dream, he slapped her very hard. Such a slap that it left a bruise on her face for life. And he said, it seems like you are, you are having these fantasies or you are having these imaginations of marrying the king of Arabia. He was actually referring to Rasulullah And this was something that, this was a glad tidings to her, that one day this day will come. She didn't even know anything and this was the dream that she saw and this is how he already saw into this dream and he interpreted it very correctly. Nevertheless, the day came later in time in the seventh year after Hijrah. So this was quite late, seventh year after Hijrah. This was barely some three years before Rasulullah left this dunya. In the seventh year after Hijrah, the battle of Khaybar took place. This was after the treaty of Hudaybiyah. The Jews had broken the treaty with Nabi Wasallam. And therefore, Nabi Islam then suddenly marched upon them. They were caught unawares and they were totally taken by surprise. The men who were fighters, they were killed because they were now opposing and resisting. But none, none of the women, children and those who were not in a position to be able to fight, none of them were harmed in any way. This is the justice of Islam that no woman, no child will be harmed even in a state of war. The West merely has long, long claims of being very just and being very humane. But we know what goes on in the war, in the, in the, in the world today. The kind of indiscriminate bombings that take place. Children are mercilessly butchered. But the propaganda that goes around is to make Islam, na'udhu look very, very bound. Something that requires a lot of detail. And also became a camera passing through which on occasion that he first was brought in, his father was killed. Heart. Apart from the with a passion, what poisoned for Rasulullah to her. Rasulullah then invited her to a and I will free and then you may even go and join. Now can you Islam if you want this 
and she has been given the joint day. But and in that very same accepting Islam, she accepted Islam. So was that when the Sahaba came to know that said Inna Lillah, since the Nabi Islam contracts expedience among these various wisdom, those who own. In any case, many of them and very few. So now the next morning, oh Ish. So eventually, complete hijab, complete everybody was not aware of it. He's not obliged, he's just a slave woman. But he's running together. Nabi said, a very big lesson here. I distinguished the Zawadi Mutaharat, etc. This was the distinguishing sign. Nabi also moved on to Safiya radiallahu ta'ala and then made an announcement. They have to eat, bring he, somebody had some few items. They, there was no pomp, alone, everything alone. And in the simple announcement, it's within after that proposal was you know, so this nikah is a very important aspect also secret announce the nikah have it in the masjid so that everybody will know it will be an open spend the time it has a, so it's a state of a was that you take along with you now so this is what was done unfortunately whereas this is advised in fact i am just putting it in a very attractive way the nicest that if over the case may be they would feel distracted far from the spirit of Shariat of us and make some to take note of this was an occasion of nikah and sent off as a bride who did he give this instruction to he went to some makeup before the husband he is going to and with very very janaza of modesty in all now this is one imitate in the lion's den and looking at her and la hawla wa la quwwata every bit of this is nikah foundation is going to be laid of something the next person wants to do so it what level of sharam and haya of the shame and embarrassment? The love shariat and deen, it is saying Nabi Islam has uh, limits of deen, then it, and as a result, and the correct understanding. Something which happens in such make too much of a then he immediately sees of line to Hazrat Aisha Siddiqa, somebody who had been one Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala. This book, I mean, Safi's like this, actually, very, very short. So anything, because this now tantamines, this is not anybody's fault. It's that the sin will be heard. Somebody now making a negative Aisha This statement had to be 70% of but it still remains part. And it has such how toxic. A good part of our night on On the minerals is ghibad. Analyze sincerely. We start truly analytic. That with that is not true, it's worse. Let us measure up all these and we need to be on a journey. Suddenly couldn't that she would now not house was also they had two animals. A while they would dismount, so to say. One animal to ride. That this is my co-mount. And that's a moment. But these things sometimes Islam would overlook. But for the deen of us, here there was this Rasulullah also eating with her at all. He remained away from her. Because of the kind of statement. So this was the again we learned from her incident. The woman would come to the masjid in the name of the Sahaba already. And this is what the Fuqaha then adopted to be done in that manner. So Sham and others. Rasulullah came up to the door of the masjid to come pass at that time. So as they started moving on, look, this is my wife, Safiya. That what was the con? Now they immediately understood. Can it be possible the dreams that you will ever them that in the shade flow out the body of insan? And I feared suspicion in your heart that this is my wife, Hazrat have no basis for that based on just hearsay or hearts that's totally wrong it's the other way around for somebody to situation where we will so it was just by chance put puts himself in a quantity he needs to buy the water nowadays is sold and so it's a bottle being sold and made but he went in the poisonous person here 
He is creating suspicion. Suspicion. Especially among spouses. Being phone totally locked. Husbands about wives. Now they say, I only phone in with the person's eye. Only the great grandfather is locked in this manner. He is suddenly shuffling and in and off board in that phone. Even many times these kind of instru phone. And now should open phone has an open fridge policy. Obviously they should then open any kind of suspicion. Then the person should devices. But we put ourselves in situation, any condition that we, they are sinful also. What is the day of Saturday? Umar immediately, we just hear something and now to all or sent to this tent. 100 reekans. And sometimes not reekans. And that one press of a Umar now sent for her. The essence became a Muslim that's the day of the Jews. As far as the second thing is concerned, and Islam has kept maintaining family ties, but the aspect that he took very. Now this is something intolerable that occasions of years and there will be Easter so what? When that was the, the God. Now we are waiting. They themselves have forgot. This is the custom Salaam. They did any with that. Nothing to do with it. Because he dismissed it. This was a lie. Shaitan maybe do it. But in any case, what was the response? Somebody is like giving away some because the person of false allegations. The other thing is Imagine such a terrible The slave woman wronged her. This character and the great when Hazrat Abdullah ibn Abbar upon this news, that can can be a big, bigger sign of things again. In turning to Allah, we should be turning to Allah. We should appreciate the pious the source of great role, grandmother and so elderly, but very presence. Then it suddenly in our lives. Allah enable us to live these lessons. اللهم لا نحصي ثناء اللهم افتح لنا بالخير هب لنا من أسدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وزع أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المسلخه سيدنا محمد